flashes of lightning. Come on. I want you to get a picture of this. We're not just singing words. We're saying what we want from heaven to be on this earth. What happened? <laughs> how did the how did the enemy fall from heaven? He fell like lightning. Hallelujah! How many of you need some lightning in your life? You need some enemies to fall. Hallelujah! We need the work of the enemy to fall like lightning.
Don't feel like you don't know what to do next. Don't feel like we need to get to the next song. Oh, let's just worship. Let's just worship. Let's just worship Jesus. Come on. He wants you to worship him. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Heaven is focused on the one on the throne. That's who we focus on in this place tonight. It's the one on the throne. He gets all the glory. There's no one else. Come on, tell him. If that's all you can tell him. There's no one else like you, Jesus. Yeah. 
on telling tonight. Your praise will ever be on my lips. You'll never hear me speaking anything about bad about you, God. Come on, let's tell him tonight. I'm the one that brings a good report about you, God. I'm the one that holds out when everyone else stops thinking about you, God. Come on, tell him tonight. than a brother. You're a very present help in trouble. You are the mighty God. And we worship you, Lord. We lift up your name in this place. With our hearts, with our mouths, with our bodies, Lord. We give you the highest praise. Oh, and you inhabit the praises of your people. Father, I declare that every chain is broken. Every prison is open. And Lord, you make us free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Lord, we thank you that you have a way of speaking to your people. It's supernatural. It's spiritual. And Lord, we turn to you now and listen. Oh, just like in the days of Isaac where the enemy covered up wells. I'm digging a new well tonight, says the Lord. I'm digging a new well. 
for new water to break forth, for new water to flow, for rivers, for, for my people to be refreshed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, amen. You may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. I'll tell you what, being in God's place is the place to be. Amen? You know, the psalmist said that I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than in a thousand other places. And uh, I'll tell you what, God does something when his people come together. And one of the things that he has given us the ability to do is to speak his word. Yes. And we want to invite you to join us as we make a confession of faith, emphasizing the awesomeness of our God. And you can follow along on the screen and let's make our confession. We, we worship, worship an, an awesome, awesome God. God. The, the great, great and amazing God is among us. us. Our God reigns supreme. He is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. God is great, mighty, and awesome. Our God stands alone. He is the one and only rock of our salvation, our chief cornerstone and firm foundation. We are safe and secure in Him. Our God is the Lord of kings and the revealer of secrets. He shows us things that are hidden. God is our Father. Jesus is our Lord, and His Holy Spirit is our partner, working in us, and in Him we live, move, and have our being. We are redeemed by God, who does great and awesome things. God strengthens and empowers us, and we bless His holy name. All things are under His feet, and Jesus is the head of all things to the church. God our Savior alone is wise. To Him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, now and forever. Amen. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising Word of God. To build a strong body of believers. And to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's Word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Amen. You know, a long time ago, when I was in Bible school, the Lord gave me Galatians 3.29. I didn't know all what that meant at that moment, but I marked it in my Bible that I had at the time. And I said, Pastor Pishka's ministry. And uh, as I prayed about it, the Lord showed me that I'm here to help people find their treasure and inheritance in God's Word. That's why you hear me talk a lot about inheritance and benefits, because it's something that God has put in me. And, uh, but we're just so delighted that you're here tonight. Uh, I'm glad that the, the body of Christ can make a pivot. Amen. I mean, a slight change. And... Uh, we're doing this because of the reports of uh, snow tomorrow, and uh, we thought this is the best way to uh, overcome that. Amen? I want to let you know of a few things that are happening here at VCF.
coming up this Tuesday, uh, our youth is having their uh, Valentine's party at 530, 530 to 8. And if you're a young people, 12 to 18-ish, uh, you're welcome to come and be a part of that. Um, uh, Pastor Nelson and Nadine, they lead our youth uh, right over here. You guys wave. And uh, they're doing a fantastic job. Uh, also, on uh, Tuesday morning, if anyone uh, is available to help, uh, we're going to have some scaffolding uh, that's going to be set up over here because we're moving these lights and uh, we're going to have a, uh, a lift here. So we, don't, we only have to set up one set of scaffolding. So if anybody's available on Tuesday morning uh, around 9.30 or 10 to come and help set that up, um, we'd appreciate it. Also, um, we're having a Rama fundraiser. Uh, Rama is the school that I went to, and we're getting ready to send uh, two two young anointed men there, Gabriel and Sean. And uh, there's going to be a ham dinner to go. See, Sean is uh, preparing to be a chef, so he does make great food. Uh, so you can see Sean and Kelsey for details. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet at the info booth. And uh, that's going to be a Rama fundraiser, a ham dinner to go. Amen. And then also, if uh, anyone is interested in working in our audio visual department um, to do our sound and doing our live stream, uh, because two of the guys that are going to Rama, they do a lot in that area. So we need uh, their replacements to come along. And if you'd like to do that, uh, that would be great. We would train you. And you can learn how to do that, so uh, don't worry if you don't know it. But um, all we need is some available people who are willing uh, to uh, do what God wants them to do. So, amen. I was uh, thinking about Cornelius. He, is a, he was this, a centurion that the book of Acts talked about. And uh, I want to read... From Acts chapter 10, verses 1 to 4. Now at Caesarea, there was a man called, called Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian Regiment. Some versions say the Italian Band. Don't know what instrument he played. No, I'm just kidding. A devout man and one who along with all his household... Feared God. So he was a devout man, and with all his house he feared God. And he made many charitable donations to the Jewish people. So here's a Roman centurion helping the Jews. Isn't that awesome? And he prayed to God always. And uh, there was something that Cornelius was missing in his life. He didn't know that he was missing it, but God did. And God took notice of everything that he did. About the ninth hour of 3 p.m. of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had come to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius was frightened and started, you know, isn't it interesting that God knows his name? Amen. And God knows your name, too. And the angel said to him, uh, he um, in, stared intently at him and said, what is it, Lord? And the angel said, 
your prayers and, everybody say and, your gifts of charity have ascended as a memorial offering before God, an offering made in remembrance of his past blessings. So, is, does God know about your giving? He certainly does. He watches it. Amen? And uh, I say that because giving here at VCF is available anytime during the service. And we have a giving uh, container back there. If you make a check, make it out to VCF. If you'd like to give by a card, you can do that through our bookstore. And I would encourage you, check out our bookstore. There's a lot of good things in there. There's two dynamic authors that have books in there, Pastor Fiona and I. And uh, they'll be a blessing to you. But check out our bookstore. Uh, if you're watching, you can certainly give online. That's a good way to do it through our website at bcfpa.org. And Father, we just give you thanks and praise that every gift and every giver is super abundantly blessed by you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, before I dismiss the kids, um, I want to share some things. You know, kids say some funny things. And uh, there was a question that they asked kids and they said, how can you tell if two adults uh, eating dinner at a restaurant are in love? All right. Um, Bobby, age nine, said, if the man picks up the check, that's how you can tell he's in love. All right. Bart, age nine, said, lovers will just be staring at each other until their food gets cold. Other people care more about their food. And uh, Sandra, age seven, said, see if the man has lipstick on his face. (laughs) And then Christine, age nine, said, uh, it's love if they order one of those desserts that are on fire. (laughs) They like to order those things because that's how their hearts are. And uh, then the question was asked, what are most people thinking when they say that I love you? Michelle, age nine, said, the person's thinking, yeah, I really do love him, but hope he showers at least once a day. (laughs) Uh, Dick, age seven, said, some lovers might be real nervous. So they are glad when they finally got it out and said it. Now they can go eat. (laughs) And uh, then another question they ask is, how important is love? And Greg, age eight, said, love is the most important thing in the world. But baseball is pretty good, too. Those are some things, amen? Hallelujah. All right. We have our kids' life, which is our kids. It stands for kids living in faith every day. And we have, who's, are you teaching tonight, Nelson? Nelson, stand up. 
So kids, you're going to follow this anointed man right here. His name is Mr. Nelson, and he's going to lead you. So we, we like to cheer as you go out. So kids, have an awesome class. Be blessed. I like to cheer because I communicate to kids that church is fun. You believe that church is fun? Any, any place where God is, it's exciting and full of joy and full of life. Amen? Well, this evening, not this morning. You know, whenever I say good morning in the evening, it means the morning was just so good that it carries on. I was impressed to talk to you tonight about the power of God's pen. Did you know that God likes to write things? He is a writer. And God's word is timeless. It's eternal. It's everlasting. And he writes things as the expert of all experts, as the editor-in-chief, the master communicator, and the one who knows all things. His words are his decrees, commands, statutes, and judgments. And he is the final authority. On all things. His written word is the recording of his spoken word. And it was written for our benefit. Aren't you glad that God wrote you a book? He actually wrote us a love letter. The Bible is God's love letter to every person on the planet. And the words that he wrote are spirit, life, and power. They have the ability to create things. His words are alive. Amen? And when you think about God's word, it is creative. It is life-giving. It is life-sustaining. It's energizing. It's hopeful. It's sweet. For every sweet tooth, God's got a sweet word. Right? God's word is satisfying. The Bible says he satisfies our mouth with good things. It's powerful. It's eternal. It's settled. It's pure. It's holy. It's sharp. Sharper than a two-edged sword. It is discerning. It is true. We know in Bible Adventure, the Bible is all true. We we tell the kids that and they, they, they do a good job responding. The word is insightful. It's interesting. It's illuminating. It's tasteful. 
It's honest. It's uncompromising. It's undefeatable. It's a devil deterrent. Jesus used the word to defeat the enemy. It's victorious. It's demon crushing. It's reliable. It's faithful. And God's word is final. Everything that you need, want, or desire is in the word or the word will create it. The word of God, which he wrote, it's our lamp, our light, our counsel. It's our covenant. It's our agreement. It's our guide. It's our reference manual. It's our kingdom mandate. It's our standard of life. The word of God is also a hammer. It it crushes Things that need to be crushed. It is soul food. Amen? Soul food is served here. It's our inspiration. It's our comfort. It's our road map. It's our help. It's our family tree. Tells us where we came from and where we're going. The word is living water. It is his story, history, his story. It is good news. It's our compass. It's our strength. It's our rock, our firm foundation. It's our hiding place. And it's our love letter from God. And God designed his word to dwell in you. And... God doesn't change his message, but he changed what he wrote on. And we're going to see about where God wrote. He wrote his, he wants to write his word on our hearts. It's our guiding force for life. We can know it. We can understand it. We can comprehend it. Hallelujah. God wants to write on our hearts. I want you to go to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31. Jeremiah. Some say he was a bullfrog, others say he was a prophet, and they're both right. Jeremiah 31. And verse 33. He's talking about changing the covenant. Actually, we better go back to verse 31. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with you, with the house of Israel, And with the house of Judah. You know, we're of the house of Judah. You know why? Because Jesus was of the tribe of Judah. And when you're in Jesus, you get all that he has and you're connected to all that he is. Amen. 
Verse 32, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took their took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which by covenant they broke. Although I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. And I will write in, I will write it in their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Amen. See, God wants to write his word on our hearts. That is the power of his pen. He doesn't just want us to have a book, but he wants us to be able to take it with us wherever we go. And he wants to write his word. It's not the vessel that pumps blood. See, in the Old Testament, the heart was the center of your being. It was... The, the place of your mind, will, and emotions, it was all of you. And when, when you did something, you did it out of your heart. Amen? He's not wanting it, he's not writing it on the, the blood pumping vessel, but he's writing it in your inner being, your spirit, the real you, which is recreated in God, in Christ Jesus. See, before he wrote it on our hearts... The first thing that God wrote, he wrote on stone. You know, Moses wasn't feeling too good. And so he said, he, he made an appointment with Dr. God. And he went up to the mountain. See, the doctor was on the mountain. And God said, take two tablets and call me in the morning. But God literally took two stone tablets. And he wrote his commandments on those tablets. Can you imagine today having to carry around two stone tablets? You know, we, we have, as you're coming in our building by this door over here, we have a, a model of the Ten Commandments, right? I wouldn't want to be carrying those things around every day. I'm so glad that God upgraded. Amen? He made carrying His Word so easy. And uh, so God, he originally wrote his law and his commandments on stone tablets. And uh, he, he actually engraved those tablets with his finger. Amen. He doesn't need a printer. Aren't you glad? He never runs out of paper because he's got lots of things that he can write on. Amen. And sometimes you know, his writing can be uh, written instantly. No one can t type as fast as God can write. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, Moses, <laughs> there was a time when he was on the mountain and, and the people, he was there on the mountain 40 days. And uh, the people got a little anxious and they got Aaron to make them a golden calf, right? And they started worshiping this cow. And uh, they were making this cow the God. And, 
And, you know, Moses heard this commotion. And he came down and uh, he got so mad that he, you know, did you know that Moses was the greatest lawbreaker? He broke all the commandments at once. Right? Yeah, when he saw these people worshiping a cow, he got so mad, he broke the commandments, literally, the, the, the stone tablets. He ground it into powder and he put it in the water and made the people drink it. That's pretty mad. But here's the thing. The second time, he had to hew the, 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 the tablets out by himself. He had to chisel them out from the rock. Before God made them, but now he had to chisel them out. So when you break commandments, you're going to have to do some chiseling. Alright? But you know, God chose an interesting place to write his law on our hearts. Did you know that out of our hearts, our mouth speaks? And we're supposed to guard our hearts because out of it flow the issues of life. We're supposed to have our heart and our mouth connected together in agreement and in harmony in order for faith to work. And we're supposed to let God's word. Everybody say, let God's word. God does not make you contain his word. We get to contain it. It is a privilege to be chosen by God and to have him write his message on our hearts. Amen? So, God wants to write his law on our hearts. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah chapter 32. And verse 40. Well, verse 39. And see, God doesn't want you to, He doesn't want to write His word on our hearts so that we do nothing. But He wants to write our word on our hearts so that we live for Him and do His will and, and walk in His way. Oh, this is such an important thing that God has done. Jeremiah 32 and uh, verse 30, we'll do 38, 32, 38. And they shall be my people. How many are God's people tonight? That means that he personally inscribed his will in your hearts. He put it in you. You contain the Word of God. And you have the capacity to expand. You're not locked into a certain amount of the Word. You can hold much more. God can put more in. He'll stuff you full. Right? How many has ever had stuffed manicotti? You put some ricotta cheese in those, or those shells. I, I, I don't know what those shells. Did you know pasta is the greatest marketing tool ever? Different shape, different color, but it's all the same thing. Whether it comes in long strands or short curly strands or macaroni or rigatoni, it's all the same substance. The greatest marketing tool ever. I was on a pasta diet one time. You ever hear about that? 
Yeah, if you go shopping and you come across the ice cream roll, you pass the buy. And if you go to the snack aisle, you pass the buy, right? And if you drive by a donut shop, you pass the buy. That's the pasta diet. Verse 39. And I will give them one heart and one way that they might fear me forever. Now, the word fear in the Bible, it means to honor, reverence, and respect God. And you know what? There's a lot of people that don't fear God. You know how I know that? Because they live in contradiction to his word. See, when you have a healthy fear of God, you're going to live in such a way that's going to reflect that in the name of Jesus. But if you don't fear God, you're going to live however you want to live. Thank you for those amens. (laughs) All I heard was gulps and I was just... How long does God's writing want to be in you? A day, a week, or forever? He wants it to be in there forever. He wants you to go to heaven with his inscription inside of you. With his engraving inside of you. Amen? I'll give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever. For the good of them and of their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good. When God writes on your heart, he does good in your life. And I will plant them in this land assuredly with my whole heart and with my whole soul. All right. So God wants to change your heart. Let's go to Hebrews chapter eight. He says the same thing that Jeremiah said, but this is uh, in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 8. Last week in the van, because sometimes I drive for Bible Adventure, they say, what kind of coffee does a man make? And I said, I don't know. Hebrews. That's Bible. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 7. So this is, he's talking about the very same thing in in two testaments, Old Testament, New Testament. That means it's something that was never done away with, right? Hebrews 8, 7, for if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for a second. But you know what? We could not do all the law that was written in Moses' day. You, you could try as hard as you want, but if you failed in one little thing, you failed in all of it. And it was impossible for man to keep it. There was only one man who kept it, and that's Jesus. All right? Verse 8. For finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant. I regarded them not, says the Lord. Verse 10. 
For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and I will write them on their or in their hearts. And I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. See, when, when God writes in our hearts, we enter into a relationship with Him. An intimate, close, personal relationship with the living God. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. How many could use mercy for unrighteousness? You know, when you, when you allow God to write in your heart, He showers you with mercy. Hallelujah. And their iniquities and sins I will remember no more. How many, I know, I'm glad that God forgets some of the things I've done. Amen? He doesn't, it's not even on his mind. He never brings it up because he forgets about it. as far as the east is from the west. He forgets. In verse, and in that, he said a new covenant. He has made the first old. Now that which decays and waxes old is ready to vanish away. All right, so let's look into this about the word of God. In our heart. When the Word of God is in your heart, it activates a strong desire for God and all that He is and all that He's involved with. When God writes on your heart, He changes your desire. He changes your perspective. He changes your outlook. He changes your way of living. And when His Word is written in you, something gets activated in you that was dead before. And now you're into the things of God like never before. You, you have a fresh perspective of God. Amen. This is what happens when the word of God is in your heart. When the word is in your heart, you open up your heart and you get filled with spiritual truths, thoughts and actions. You become a spiritual person. Amen. You, you, you focus on spiritual things. You begin to learn the spiritual vocabulary. You begin to live, learn how to live in the spirit of God. Did you know when we sang about revelation earlier, when Pastor Fiona wrote, he said he was in the spirit. You know, God wants us to be in the spirit. What does that mean? To have a mindset of spiritual things, spiritual thoughts. Amen. When God writes on your heart. Your heart gets opened up. And you become sensitive to spiritual things. You, be, you recognize spiritual things. When, you're, when God writes on your heart, you're sensitive to His voice and His ways, and you understand His kingdom. You know, we've got to learn how to walk in the kingdom of God. And God's kingdom trumps culture. What I mean by Trump is means overcome. That's a euchre term. I used to play euchre growing up in Illinois. Some of you may know what euchre is. It's a card game. But you got, it, it, it exposes you to the kingdom. You know, God said, my kingdom of God is at hand. He said, the kingdom of God is within you. When God writes his word in you, he's given you the keys of the kingdom. Amen? When God writes on your heart, 
He fills you with love, joy, peace, and all the other fruit, and your perspective of life changes. You go from a hateful person to a loving person. You go from a bitter person to a forgiving person. You go from a sinner to a saint. Amen? You don't have to become a saint when you die. You become a saint when you accept Jesus Christ. We are all saints of the household of God. When you allow God to write his word on your heart, the weight, burden, and guilt of sin is removed. You experience levels of new freedom that you never experienced before. How do you think Paul felt, the Apostle Paul, when Jesus met him on the road to Damascus? He had a heart of persecution, of being harsh to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. He opposed everyone who believed in Jesus Christ. He mistreated them. He even saw them die. Who do you think held the clothes of the people who stoned Stephen, who was the first martyr in the book of Acts? It was Paul. He was holding their clothes. He had a murderous heart in him. Until God met him on the road to Damascus. And he allowed God to write on his heart. And it changed his nature. It changed his life. He went from persecuting Christians to... uh, Making Christians. He went from putting them in jail to planting churches. Why? Because he allowed God to write on his heart. And what God wrote started to take effect and overcome what was written before. See, if you want to be a successful Christian, you've got to change your heart. The reason people aren't successful Christians, what do I mean by that? If they're in a cycle of doing the same thing over and over again, failing, not doing this, they, they have this vicious cycle. That means they got something wrong with their heart. That means God stopped writing on their heart. Because when God writes on your heart, He breaks you free of that cycle. Did you know that most every miracle that was received by people of their own faith was they allowed God to write on their heart? You know, the woman with the issue of blood, she heard about, Jesus, about the healings that Jesus did. So she allowed, to write on her, she allowed him to write on her heart that he was the healer. And what did that do? She believed that so much that she started to make her way to him. In her pain, in her discomfort, she made her way through the crowd. Why? Because she allowed God to touch her heart and she was going to touch him. How about Zacchaeus? You know, the short tax collector. He couldn't see Jesus because he was so small in stature. So he knew that Jesus was coming his way. So he climbed up a tree. And all Jesus said to him was, today I'm going to have lunch with you. And Zacchaeus was so excited, so joyful, he allowed Jesus to write his word on his heart. And what did Zacchaeus do? He said, if I've wronged anybody, I'll do what? I'll pay four times more. For someone who's been stealing money to offer to pay money uh, four times greater than what he took, that's a drastic change. How did that change take place? He allowed Jesus to write on his heart by the words that Jesus spoke. 
See, it doesn't, it does, it's not a long process for you to allow God to write on your heart. You don't have to do 50 cartwheels. You don't have to, all you have to do is believe what he says. And the moment you believe, the writing starts to take place. Do you realize that Jesus did so many works that the disciples said that if books were written about him, the world wouldn't be able to contain it. There were so many things written about him. Did you know that Jesus did everything that was written about him? He actually did things to fulfill what was written by a prophet. That's powerful. There were certain things that Jesus did to fulfill what was written. He wants to engrave. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2. You are our epistle. What's the word epistle? It means a letter. You are our letter written in our hearts, known and read of all men, for as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us. Written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the hearts. Aren't you glad that you're a living letter? That God is writing your story. Amen? You're a living epistle, a living letter. You weren't written with ink, you were written with the Spirit of God. With the power of God. I mean, in the book of Daniel, God even wrote on the wall to get the king's attention. They saw this hand come and just start to write something on the wall, and they needed Daniel to interpret the writing. God's a writer. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Right? So... When God writes in your heart, you receive forgiveness of sins. And you have direct knowledge of God. And you're changed inwardly. And he writes his law on your heart. So that, why does he write it on your heart? So that you continue to live it out in your life. He writes his word on your heart so that you always can access it. Amen? Every one of us probably have a bank card, don't we? Because we have money in a bank. I got money in the bank. Right? And, and with that card and with that PIN number, technically, only you should be able to access that. Right? They tell you to guard your PIN number. Why? It's written in the code of the card. The card has a number that identifies you. It identifies your account. It lets you know how much is in the account. And that number is the only way that you can access it. When God writes His Word on your heart, you have access to heaven, access to His grace, access to His power, access to His love, access to His help. Hallelujah. 
when he writes on your heart. Go to, Deuter- go to Romans 8. I'm sorry, Romans 10. Go to Romans 10. Romans 10. And this is also a quote from Deuteronomy 30, 14. Romans 10, verses 8 to 10. But what does it say? Did you know that the, the words that God writes in your heart speak to you? And when God wants to call an audible, that word in your heart will come alive. Amen? It's like talking on a walkie-talkie. You don't have to be in the presence of a person, but your words will go over airwaves. And you can talk to the other person, right? Well, God can talk to us through the word that's in our heart. The more word we have in our heart, the easier it is to communicate with God. See, he takes our heart of stone. When we were sinners, we had a heart of stone. So God had to remove that heart of stone, and he had to give us a heart of flesh. We had to get a heart transplant when you get saved. Why? Because the old heart is full of junk. And we, get, we have to get a new heart. Our new heart is our new nature in Christ Jesus. It's, it's being born again. It's being uh, birthed by the Spirit of God. And uh, he, puts us, he puts a new heart in us. And that new heart, only the new heart can accept downloads from heaven. Yeah. You've been equipped with new hardware. Hallelujah. And only with that new hardware can you get the new information that you need to live a successful life. Yeah. Glory to God. Amen. And the enemy doesn't know the code. Yeah. He can't break in. He can't hack it. Romans 10.8. But what does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth, and where? In your heart. How do you access the word in your heart? You've got to use your mouth. It, that is the word of faith which we preach. Who's the author of faith? So, the word of faith is in our heart. That means he must have wrote it. Amen? Verse 9. But if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. When you start believing the story that's written in your heart that you're righteous, you start seeing yourself as righteous. You start calling yourself as righteous. You start living righteous. Because we're believing what he wrote inside. Did you know that someone who writes on something that they don't have permission, that's called graffiti. God is not a graffiti artist. God has permission to write on you. Why? He bought you with a price. He's not a graffiti artist. He's not going to draw a cool picture and sign his name, J.S. or J.C. He doesn't have to write on trains. Or buildings. He writes on hearts of people. Go to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. You know, it was really kind of funny. um, When I was preparing this, 
um, I had so many scriptures that used the word written on it that I had to eliminate seven pages of it. (laughs) Say, amen, you didn't give me 14 pages tonight, Pastor. Praise the Lord. (laughs) I felt like... uh, You know, I'm a big fan. I like to watch the Marvel movies. I felt like Tony Stark, you know, when he's designing, he's taking this out, taking this out. He's only leaving what he needs. Amen. (laughs) Kind of what I felt like. Psalm 37, verses 30 and 31. The mouth of the righteous speak wisdom, and his tongue talks of judgment. The law of God is where? In his heart, and none of his steps shall slide. Oh my goodness. When God's word is in your heart, he's going to make sure that your feet are on a firm foundation. He's not going to let you slide. When, you're, when his word is in your heart, you're not going to look to the left or to the right. You're going to focus on him. You're going to attend to him. You're going to listen to him. You're going to look to him. Why? Because he is the author of what's in your heart. Amen? Go to Psalm 40. Psalm 40, verses 7 and 8. Then I said, then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. Did you know that, say it's written of me. God's already writing. He's already written your story. Verse 8, I delight to do your will, oh my God. Your law is within my heart. See, when God's word is in your heart, doing his will is a delight. It's joy. It's a pleasure. It's pleasant. You want to do it. The people who don't want to do it don't have it written in their hearts. They need a heart change. God's concerned about our hearts. We're filling our hearts with so much stuff that don't belong in there. We've got to let God write on our hearts. You know, when he wanted a king, when he was replacing King Saul because of his sin, he didn't look at his skill as a fighter. He didn't look at his skill as an administrator. But he looked at his heart. He looked to see what was written in his heart. And he found a man after his own heart. Why? That means someone who welcomes God's word right on me, Lord. Fill this corner. Do it on both sides. See, I like like the fact that the Bible talks about writing because I'm a note taker. I still have nine binders from when I went to Bible school in 1990 to 92. I've got nine binders. On both sides of paper, full of the subjects that I sat in class with. I still have them. I've I've carried them from Illinois. I've carried them from Oklahoma. I've carried them from Tennessee. And now they're here in Pennsylvania. And if there was a fire, I'm getting my notes first. (laughs) You may not be a note taker, and that's okay. You don't have to be. You know, we all learn different ways. I envy my wife. She doesn't have to, you know, she gets it without taking notes. I think that's awesome. And I, I laugh when she tries to take notes like me. It's funny. She's like, this doesn't work. I said, yeah, because I'm different. 
Go to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. See, if if you're not delighting to do God's will, then you need to change what's written. Romans 7, verse 22. Is this helping anybody tonight? We're going to get to the most important writing here in just a minute. Romans 7, verse 22. I delight in the law of God after the inward man. What's the inward man? That's the heart. It ought to produce delight in us. You know, <laughs> when God writes the word on your heart, you're not going to be like the seven dwarfs. Woe is me. Hi-ho, hi-ho. It's off to work. You know, I don't know. They sang that song, Seven Dwarfs. I mean, one of the dwarfs' was, name was Grumpy. I mean, come on. See, some people think that It's a burden to do what God wants them to do because that's a religious mindset. You've allowed religion to write in your heart and not God. And religion is of the letter of the law. It kills, but when when God writes in you, it's of the Spirit and it brings life. Amen? Hallelujah. Psalm 11911, let me just say it. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Do you mean if you hide his word in your heart, it can prevent sin? Yes. That's Bible. Why am I sinning? Because you're not letting the word of God be written in your heart. Hallelujah. How can I have God's word in my heart? You've got to prepare your heart to receive. See, God doesn't force his way on anybody. But he gives you an opportunity to choose. He said, I set before you life and death. The blessing and the curse. I would that you choose life. God doesn't choose for you. He gives you a choice. You can choose life or you can choose death. You can choose health or you can choose sickness. But it is your choice ultimately. And thank God, He gave us the right choice. I would that you choose life. How many know God already gave you the answer? If you had a multiple choice question, should I choose life or should I choose death? A is life, B is death. Choose A. God already gave you the answer. You know, every test He gives you is an open book test. Right? Okay. So, we've got to prepare our hearts to receive. Now, This is the most important part right here tonight. The most important writing that God wrote is whether or not your name is in the Lamb's book of life. Go to Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. Hallelujah. Look at verse 1. It says, At that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation. Even to that time, and at a time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who was found, what? 
written in the book. The most important writing that God writes is your name. When you accept Jesus Christ as Lord, your name gets written in a book of heaven. God keeps the best records. Amen. He knows, and when, when, and when he comes again and we stand before him, before the judgment seat of Christ, he's going to open that book, and, he, and your name is going to either be in there or it's not. But the most, even Jesus, when he sent out the 70 in Luke 10, and they came back, they were all excited. They said, even the devils are subject to us. And Jesus said, yeah, I saw Satan fall like lightning. But don't, don't, don't get so caught up about what the devils do, but be sure your name is what? Written in the Lamb's book of life. Go to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. Hallelujah. Verse 16. This, how, this is how our conversations in our homes ought to be. It says, those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. And the Lord listened and heard them. Say, He listened. You know, God listens to what we say because we're going to be judged by every idle word that we speak. Alright? So He took a book of remembrance which was written before Him for those who feared the Lord who meditate on His name. God actually records conversations when righteous people get together and talk about Him. God gets excited. He gets out His book of remembrance and He records that conversation. Those are talking about me. Because they're talking about me. I'm going to do something for them. Amen? Go to Luke. Oh, no. Uh... Go to uh, Revelation 20. Revelation 20, verses 12 and 13. Revelation 20, verses 12 and 13. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened. Another book was opened, which was the book of life. The dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. They were judged, each one according to his works. Go to Revelation 13. Revelation 13. And verse 8, Revelation 13, 8. All who dwell on the earth will worship Him. Are we worshiping Him? Or are we just reserving our worship for church? We should be worshiping Him every day. Whose names have, have not been written in the book of the Lamb, in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. And, but here's the thing, your name can be removed from that. Listen to this. People who were not written in the book. Go to Psalm 69. Psalm 69. Verses 27 and 28. This is when we don't take what's written in our hearts and live it out in our lives. 
and add iniquity to their iniquity, and let them not come into your righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. Can you say, whoa? I did not say that. This is the Bible. All right? Revelation 20, verse 15. Revelation 20, verse 15. If anyone who was found whose name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. (laughs) You remember that group of people that came to Jesus? They said, you know, Lord, we did this in your name. We did that in your name. And the Lord looked at them and said, I never knew you. They, they never had a close, intimate relationship with the Lord. You know, you can, you can come to church. And you can be part of a group that does what God wants them to do, that prophesies or lays hands on the sick or does whatever, but you don't do it yourself. You're a part of a group that does it, and, but you're, you're just a part of it. Maybe your heart's not in it. Maybe it is. No one knows because they just, you just, you're just there in the proximity. You're just there in the area. And, but see, we've got to have a, our own intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It can't just be with the church. It can't just be with the group. It's got to be on our own. We've got to read the Bible. We've got to study the Bible. How are you going to get God's Word in your heart? You've got to read it, study it. You've got to meditate on it. That's what gets it in your heart. Amen? Sometimes it's quicker, sometimes it's slower. It doesn't matter. Just do what you've got to do to get it in your heart. Right? What we're doing tonight, we, we've come to a church service on Saturday night. What are we doing? We're getting the Word in our heart. Amen? We're, a lot, we're giving God an opportunity to speak to us. That's what puts His Word in our hearts. If you're not living right for God, then who's been writing on your heart? What have they been writing? Do you know out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks? That's another Bible. That's uh, Matthew chapter 12. So, if you want to know what's in a person's heart, just let them talk for five minutes. And what's in their heart will come out. Right? If they love this, they'll start to talk about this. If they love that, they'll start to talk about that. It will come out of the abundance of the heart. In other words, what's in our heart is going to overflow out of our mouths. It's going to come out. So don't let your name... Go to Exodus 32. I want to read this verse. Then I'll say a few things, then we're going to close. Exodus 32, verses 32 and 33. See, it's so important to have God right in our hearts. Moses is talking to God. Exodus 32, verses 32 and 33. Yet now, if you would only forgive their sin, and then... But if not, please blot me out of the book that you have written. Moses was taking a position of intercession for the people. Every time the people sinned, Moses would stop, drop, and pray. Every time they came against him, he would stop, drop, and pray. Every time they rebelled against God, he would stop, drop, and pray. He interceded for him, And he told God, he said, if you're not going to forgive them, then blot my name out of the book. That's pretty bold. Amen? Guess what? God forgave him. You know why? God likes bold faith. 
He likes people who are going to take a stand for what's right. Amen? So, God wants us. He, he wants us to have his word written in our hearts. He gave us a new covenant, a new promise. And this is a new thing that God does. You know, imagine if people would have their hearts filled with God's word instead of what's going on in the world. Amen? In Psalm 102.18, it says, it'll be written for the generation to come. You know, the generation to come has to know what God wrote too. How are they going to know it? We've got to teach it to them. Amen? We've got to live it before Him. Oh, I'm telling you, God wants to change our hearts tonight. You know, He wrote things for our benefit, for our learning. We can learn from the mistakes that the people in the Bible made. God recorded their mistakes. He also recorded their victories. He, he recorded the people who embraced His Word and believed Him. And even though... A whole bunch of stuff came against them. They triumphed. They overcame. Amen. I want to be an overcomer. I want to triumph. I want to gain the victory in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to allow God to write on my heart. I'm allowing them to write in this church's heart. You know, this church, every individual has a heart, but this church has a heart too. And God's writing his story. He's merging the streams of people who have gone before us. There's a great cloud of witnesses that are watching in the grandstands of heaven. They're watching us, and they're in tune with our spiritual journey. They know what's going on. They may not know what's going on in the natural, but they certainly know what's going on in the spirit. And they're getting excited because God's getting ready to move in this earth. I feel like this time that we're in right now, this is the greatest time for the church of the living God. It's the time for revival. It's the time for the gospel to be preached. The gospel works when... When things are hard and things are tough and things aren't going like they should in the world, the gospel is still true. The gospel is still the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to them that believe. And God is looking for some believers who will just simply take what he wrote in their heart and they will do it. They will say it. They will live it. They will demonstrate it. They will display it. It was meant to be put on display. And God still got the pen in his hand. He still has the power of the pen. An order from God overcomes every order of the world. Only a decree from God can change your circumstance in the world. In your body. Number one, does everybody in this place tonight know that you know that you know that your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If there's anybody here that doesn't know it, you need to know it. I'm pleading with you tonight. Tonight is your night. Amen. Did you, you know, in First uh, John 2, it says these things were written that you might believe. You know, God wrote us a book so that we could, uh, he made it easy for us to believe. Amen. 
This is written so that you might believe. He didn't just write words. Oh, God didn't say, I, I feel like writing this today. No, he wrote words with purpose. He wrote words with design. Right? There's nothing that can match his words. His words are power and life. Amen? Is there anyone here that's never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? And we're going to see something tonight. Uh, Gabriel, I need you to come here. And my love, they did not know that I was going to do this. But let me read to you Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to tell you what's going to happen here. All right? Because I know that my wife is prophetic, and my son is prophetic, they can handle this. So, Ephesians 5, chapter 18, uh, verse 18, chapter 5, verse 18, says, Do not get drunk with wine. Where it is this, what is that? Wine represents anything that's of the world. Don't be over drunk with, with stuff from the world. It's not just alcohol. It's the negative. It's the uh, lies. It's the deception. Don't get drunk with wine. And the Amplified says corruption and stupidity. <laughs> it says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And constantly guided by him. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Gabriel's going to play and Fiona's going to sing whatever comes to your heart and it's going to be a spiritual song. Amen. You're going to see a demonstration of the work of the Holy Spirit. Like I said, they did not know that I was going to do this. I didn't know that I was going to do this until worship. All right. But notice it says making a melody with your heart. We gotta make a melody with our heart. We gotta let God be our dance partner. We gotta make a melody with Him. Amen. Are you ready to make a melody with God? Are you ready to open up your heart and sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs? A spiritual song is a song that's given and unction by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, stand your feet if you can. Hallelujah. I take my heart back I take my heart from the enemy Oh, I bring it back I bring it back to me I give it to you, Lord I give it to you, Lord Now here it is You write for me. 
the truth and the truth getting a hold of them. He fights it with lies and deception and untruths because he's a liar. The Bible says he's the father of lies and he wants to stop God's work. He wants to steal God's work. He wants to cause you to be uh, disconnected from God. But God loves you. And tonight, if you made some mistakes in walking with God, if you haven't walked with Him like you should, let Him write His love on your heart. When He writes on your heart, He forgives you. He sets you free. He releases you. He doesn't condemn you. He did not come here to condemn the world. He came here to save the world. He wants to save you. He wants to bring you out of that cycle. He wants to break that path that you went on in the name of Jesus. Let me see the new heart. And if there's anyone here that would say, Lord, I need to change my ways. I've known you. I've loved you. But I've strayed from you. I've gone from you. And I want to come back home. Listen, there's more joy in coming back home than there is in staying in the pig pen. Don't stay in the pig pen. Don't stay in the pit. Come on home. Come on home and get reconnected with God. Come on home. If you need to rededicate your life, I'm I'm opening this up for you to come right now. Nothing to be ashamed about. Let me tell you, I got born again when I was 12. I backslid in my late teens. I was backslidden for about a year and a half, maybe two years. And the church that I was going to, they left because they were struggling financially. But God kept calling me. God kept drawing me. He would put people in my life. And I remember the night when I rededicated my life. I, I came back to God. Amen. And the first thing that I did was I bought a new Bible. And then I became a Bible addict. I became a Bible junkie. Listen, if you strayed from God, it happens. But don't stay strayed. Come. Come return to God. Come right now. Come tonight in the name of Jesus. Come back home. The Father's waiting for you with arms of love. He wants to restore you. He wants to repair you. And He just wants to love you. Is there anyone here that would say, Pastor, I need to come back home? And then thirdly, there's another experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. John said, I've baptized you with water, but there's one coming after me whose sandals are not worthy to unloose. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. If you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire, we all have the Holy Spirit when we're born again, but His baptism brings power on us. Power to live. Power to do what God wants us to do. And we need the power of God. We can't live this life without power. You need horsepower. Amen. You need Holy Ghost power. Is there anyone here that would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Come on. We don't have to act all holy. Is real. And if you need prayer for anything, come up 
for sending your word to not only heal them, Lord, but to, to deliver them, to set them free, to provide for that the things that they need according free. to your riches and glory by that Christ Jesus and make a way, Father, for them to leave where they're at free. and to go where they need to be. In the name of Jesus, Lord, you are a miracle Every worker. child is free. And when we put our faith Every in you, you do not free. fail. But you from always come through in the, the name enemy, of Jesus. Ground, and Lord, we lift them up to you the right enemy. now. We say, Lord, I thank you for intervening free. on their behalf in the name free. of Jesus. Lord, use Set this as a stepping stone, not a stumbling block. And Lord, I thank you that you are their deliverer. You are their healer. You are their Lord and Savior in the name of Jesus. Work work a miracle, Father. Make a way like you did through the Red Sea. In the name of Jesus, make a way through the wilderness like you did leading your people. And I give you thanks and praise. We stand in the gap with them, Father. We ask you, Lord, 
to draw the them to you. Cause their eyes of understanding to be enlightened, that they would know the hope of your calling, the riches of their inheritance, and the resurrection power that's working in them in the name of Jesus. And because you came for support, God's going to support you. Father, I just thank you right now that your hand of power, strength, and might just rests on her right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, you just fill her with good things. Satisfy her mouth with good things, Lord. Crown her with loving kindness in the name of Jesus. Let her just experience the goodness of your grace and favor and peace that passes understanding in Jesus' name. In heaven, hallowed be your name. If you've got a new heart, if God is writing on your heart, I want you to sing this song. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your being. If you don't know it, just do the best you can to sing along.
want you to say this. Say, Father, I thank you that you've given me a new heart. I thank you that you've given me a new heart. You have the freedom. You have the freedom. To write on my heart. Write on my heart. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. I am yours. You are mine. You are mine. I lift up the name of Jesus. I lift up the name of Jesus. I will walk in the way. I will walk in the way that you have written for me. That you have written for me. I listen to your voice. I listen to your voice. And I will follow you. And I will follow you. with all my heart. With all my heart. All my soul. All my and all my strength. And all my strength. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we've heard the word. You know, when she was singing, let heaven come, where did Jesus come from? Heaven. Where did the Holy Ghost come from? Heaven. Where did the word come from? Heaven. Where does light come from? Heaven. Where did creation come from? Heaven. Heaven's already here. Yeah. Heaven is already here. Yeah. We have an interconnected relationship with heaven. Amen. You don't need a passport. You don't need a plane. We can have heaven right here. Amen. Hallelujah. Heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. Joy. Peace. Righteousness. Hallelujah. Fire. Testimonies of what God has is writing on you, Amen. And it gets better and better as you go along with Jesus. Hallelujah! You heard a spiritual song tonight, Amen. Amen. What's going to happen next time? I don't know, but I know I'm going to show up. I'm going to be faithful. And we're just going to let God do his thing. Amen. God bless you. Have a great and wonderful night. Be safe tomorrow and be super blessed. Amen.